Oh, speaking of, did I tell you that there's a lady in our group? Her last name is Messerschmitt. And I'm thinking, well, can I get adopted so I can be Fitz Messerschmitt? Because oh I'm already half there, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. This episode is sponsored by Bob's Balsa Barn, America's fourth favorite balsa supplier. Well, hello, y'all. Welcome back to the RC Roundtable. I'm Fitz Walker, and joining me as usual is Terry Dern. Who? Terry Dern. <laughs> Precisely. Howdy, y'all. And Leroy. Leroy. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I had chicken last night. Not chickens. <laughs> Jenkins. Ch- no. You haven't seen that YouTube video? Yeah. At the end, he said he, at least he had chicken. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Yeah. Oh, he, no. He said, at least I ain't chicken. Ain't Not chicken? E- or- no. <laughs> this is awesome. Really? He no. said ain't? He's a, he's, no. He doesn't. He says it, he's, he's ain't chicken. Like he didn't, he wasn't chicken to go in and fight. Oh. Not, he didn't eat chicken. I thought he yeah. always said, he, at least I have chicken. <laughs> no. Who, all these years. <laughs> I thought he said. <laughs> it, it, okay, so any of you not familiar with Leroy Jenkins, go on YouTube, just type it in. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that because I have no idea what you're <laughs> that's, that's He's going to use that on an audio. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. That's probably the first big meme slash viral video ever <laughs> oh that's a good one okay yes but i have been called leroy before so i'll take that oh well, i prefer leroy because that just sounds cool well yes i'm here and fitz measure i mean fitz walker <laughs> hey <laughs> confused yet i hope so <laughs> Uh, all, right. all right. We haven't lost our listeners. I mean, they're all paying attention because they all want to know who won. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. We'll record that later in the show. All right. New products. Uh, a couple of pop- things popped up again from Horizon. First up is the Hangar 9 P47. And this is kind of a semi big one. This is a 67 inch 20cc uh, ARF Razorback. Uh, a lot of people suspect that this was uh, sort of a reincarnation of another big P47 they had some years ago. Though it looks like they added a lot of uh, new stuff to this one. And uh, it, it's pretty nice. Um, I can't say that I'm a huge P47 person, but it, I thought it looked pretty nice. What do you guys think? Uh, I like it. I have, two 40, I have two P47s in my inventory. Yeah? I have an Alpha Models P47. A little one. And, and then I have the, uh, I guess it's Park Zones. Trying to remember if it's E Flight Park Zone. Park Zone's P47 with my E Flight Retracks. And I actually have a friend who recently posted that he's got this new Hangar 9 P47, and the photos look pretty neat. So I look forward to seeing it. I think it's I think it's nice to have a, a 20cc. Yeah. Has he built it yet? It is. He's got it under construction. So. Okay. So I'm curious is that color scheme um, accurate with the green framing on the canopy, but a. Uh natural finish on the fuselage well like green is kind of popular in fact the honey buddy had a green type uh i i think it's actually what to to keep the sun 
reflection off? Yeah, yeah the Andy glare panel, yeah. but uh, I didn't know if that went all the way back to the framing. So. It, it Just curious. I, and maybe that's kind of why I like that scheme, because it's, it's you know, looking at it, it's the silver, like the white, like honey bunny that I have with the red nose, the, the green tint. So I like it. I like the scheme. Yeah, I'm, I'm neutral. I think I'm neutral on the whole thing in general, because it's meant to be gas, and I don't do gas yet. No, no, it's not know. quite correct. It actually has electric facilities in it. It's got a large hatch on the top, and they're even saying they use you can use the E-Flight Power 60 brushless motor on it. Oh, really? That's small? Ooh, yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was too small. I thought that was on the small side, too, but that's what they say. Um, though it's, uh, well. Yeah, needs more, needs more. I don't know enough about the E-Flight motors, the Power 60. Maybe, Lee, you, you have more experience with it. Um, I, I do, because uh, I have my Carbon Z Cub. Uh, it was made, well, it was first came with a 50, then they pushed it to a 60, and I still don't think that's enough. A lot well, that's of people that's a six-pound airplane, right? Yeah, but, I mean, this is a pretty big plane, too. Well, that's what and, I'm saying. I, I would guess this one's considerably bigger and heavier, or yeah, at least heavier. I, I think my friend Paul's going to be putting a, a gasser for sure, so I don't think he's going electric on it. His photo didn't show either. Uh, I didn't see the motor in it yet. So, but no, I like this, and I guess I'm I'm kind of keen on it because I'm you know I'm building a 20 cc Corsair. So, I'd like to I'd like to get up with Paul and have our Corsair and, and Thunderbolts fly together. Oh yeah, that'd be a nice uh, comparison. Oh. Well, it's good for them. It's uh, nice to see another all wood ARF kit come out, uh, and with a from the factory an option of gas or electric. So, uh, cool and I thing. assume there's an Evolution motor that is made to fit that. Uh, twenty CC. Yeah, there's Evolution twenty. I think it's a twenty GX maybe. But there is an Evolution motor. Uh, yeah, twenty GX twenty CC. Okay. Cool. So your options are, wow, wide. I guess you could say. Unfortunately, this thing comes with fixed landing gear, you know. So you really don't want that. So it has the optional retracts to E flight. So you kind of say, you know. Stuff like that, it should just probably come pre-installed. Even if it's not uh, electric retract, you know, torque retracts would have been fine. Yeah, I guess I probably should just include retracts in it, in the stock, not just a fixed. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and I, maybe they did it for the price point to keep it at three ninety nine. Mm. Isn't that what the price is? I think so. Yeah, it's three ninety nine. Yes, yes. But I think, I think retracts would have been kind of a must for this. Yeah, it's a pretty big I model. Well, I've seen it's right on the border of sport scale and large scale. I, I've seen enough warbirds in this size that with fixed gear that I think people could treat it as a sport plane and get away with it. Okay. It's right on that crazy edge. I'm with Lee. It's something like this. It's a fairly big model. Retracks are almost standard nowadays for something like this. I, I would have. Uh, it probably was a price point thing, like you said, but. No, I'm not saying people wouldn't giggle behind your back if you took it out to the field with fixed gear. I just think there, there are probably some people out there that, that would do that. My flaps aren't, my, my gear's not working. It's not retracting. i got to fix that servo. <laughs> what, is it that, uh, what is it that Sparky always says? That you're always in a pattern when you got fixed gear like that on a Warburg? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well. All right, well, if you don't like, if you uh, don't like retracts, then... Uh, Hangar 9, ha oh, no, Hangar 9. Then uh, Park Zone has the new Wildcat. Well, actually, it's a return of the Wildcat Park Flyer. Which... It must be the return of Park Zone, too, because didn't they go away? Yeah. They're calling exactly. it a Park Zone. They just snuck back in. 
they're the herpes of RC brands. But it's interesting that and I did a quick search on Horizon, and I'm not, we're not, we haven't been following because they just haven't been really uh, stable with their naming convention. Um, but I mean, there are a couple of planes still listed as Park Zone, and now that they've come back with this Wildcat, I kind of wonder if they're just bringing the name back too because it's been a hit in the past, and mm. maybe they'll resurrect some of the previous Park Zone planes too. Maybe, maybe even the T28. Ah, that never went away. Yeah, well, I'm talking. Well, but like the Air Force version, I love the gray T28. I'd, I'd like to see them bring that back. Well, they make this thing called spray paint. Oh, okay. Well, I understand uh, that this Wildcat was really popular. It was one of the most requested models that they bring back. So it's good to see that they decided to restart the line. Well, I will tell you, I'm on their website right now, and I did uh, a pull down from the menu that says Featured Brands. Park Zone's not listed. Fascinating, Captain. Interesting. We need a someone needs to call them, Terry. I mean Fitz. I mean <laughs> one of you. You're closer. <laughs> so is this a, just a carbon copy of what it was before? Did they make some updates? I don't think there are any changes because I, when I was pulling up uh, old reviews on the plane, like on RC groups, it's the same part number. I don't think there's anything different. Doesn't have tungsten push rods or. <laughs> <laughs> one work, led light we're actual <laughs> retra- light. working retractable gear yeah <laughs> uh, now have have you guys ever flown one of the wildcats that's a nice i've seen a few but i've never actually flown one yeah negative but okay. i like you lee i've heard nothing but good things about it yeah i mean i like my t28 i like my uh p47 and uh have, have you guys ever flown the corsair that they had at one time Hmm. I've never owned one, but I'm sure I've flown somebody else's at some point. Yeah, if they bring that back, I might be looking into... Oh, great. Now I've got a whole bunch of Corsairs and P-38s in my <laughs> workshop. What's wrong with that? Not, nothing. It's just that I already have three Corsairs. <laughs> like, what's, what's happening to me? <laughs> yeah, well. I'm turning Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> and you really think so. Well, I and I, because I've never, oh, I guess none of us have ever have ever owned one. Some of some of you out there, if you've ever had a, a wildcat or, or flown one, or if you're getting one, let us know. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on this plane. I mean, it, it looks pretty cool, um, you know, the mid-wing design. But uh, I just wonder what the performance is like. Hmm. Is it the same motor that's in all the other ones, or most yeah, of the other ones? Is it the 480? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so I think it's the same motor that was in the T-28 and the Corsair. Now, some of those Warbirds, I think, had the 15 size. But anyway, it's a good, honest power system. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a, the setup on my tro- Trojan is great. I, I really like that plane. I mean, that's one I'll probably never get rid of. I hope the kids fly it. So, you know, that, that configuration they created is really nice. Dare I say, that was probably the most popular RC plane there for a couple of years. Agreed. When it first came out. Yeah. Hmm. Did you have one, Fitz, don't you? T28 Trojan? Park Zone? No, never had one. <gasps> <laughs> Wait, 
did you get my hacked up version? Oh yes, I do. I do have so your. So in a sense, you have. One. <laughs> I have in your a sense. I have your T fourteen. Oh I guess you could call it. Yeah, you have two thirds of one. T fourteen. It, it's a Franken T. It's it looks. Yeah, Franken T. <laughs> Franken T. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh yeah. Well, we'll have to post a picture in the gallery. That is anything but a T twenty eight. It's been terrorized. Terrorized. But as Terry said, technically, yes, you have one. <laughs> technically. Have you flown it, Fitz? No, it's... it's, uh, it's you need to fly it. I, need to I, had, it I had fun photographing it, Terry. That was kind of, that was a neat little airplane. <laughs> All right, we're off, we're off the Wildcat. So. <laughs> All right, well, good, good for Horizon for uh, popping that back out again. A lot of happy puppies that, that came back out. So uh, hopefully we'll see a bunch more at the flying field. Okay, last but not least is uh, DJI has announced yet another Mavic. And this one they're calling the Mavic Air, which uh, basically looks like um, the, the regular DJI Mavic and their DJI Spark had a baby. And so they have this neat little foldable but small uh, uh, camera drone, as you know, for Mavic Series R. And uh, this is a real surprise, actually, because uh, uh, it, it seems like it has a lot of features packed into it where they... It has a 4K camera, unlike the Spark, and even a high frame rate 1080 mode, which is 120 frames per second, which is really nice. Uh, it can look at hand gestures to do certain features. It has a whole bunch of different active tracking modes, including one called the Asteroid. I have no idea what that means. I don't know if it explodes when it hits something, I, I, but anyways. Uh, and, more, of course, more sensors to let you fly indoor and outdoor. So uh, this one is really neat. This one kind of has my interest, uh, as much as a friend, of, a couple of friends of mine have the the Mavics, and those are really really nice. That's probably my favorite of all the camera drones. Uh, but this one, since it's so small, you could probably literally put it in your pocket. This really has my interest for, and I guess that's the market they're going for is people who travel who do backpacking, climbing, something small that can fit in your backpack and fold up. You can pop it out, fly it around a little bit, and pop it back in without being... I'm waiting for Terry's... Is that a drone in your pocket? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> that never entered my mind. <laughs> uh, Pardon me while I whip this drone out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, thoughts? What do you guys think? Don't arm it before you put it in your pocket. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know somebody will. <laughs> Okay, I have no so thoughts on it. I have a couple thoughts. Um, where should I start? Uh, you said you're interested in it, Fitz. Somewhat. So, other than size, um, th- what are the trade-offs in this between the, the Mavic? What do you give up from the Mavic to go with this? Uh, people apparently complain about that this does not have what they call the OcuSync that the Mavic does. And Which is what? OcuSync apparently is for is a very intelligent use of bandwidth to to downlink high quality video depending on your range. So it'll uh, flip back and forth between 1080 and 720, and uh, it'll utilize the channels differently, and, and supposedly gives you a much better downlink video quality. And but it's still recording locally. Oh, I assume. oh yeah, you can still record locally in 4K. Uh, and okay, so it's just the some people that was a turn off. I don't think I care, uh, but I think from what I from what I'm trying to down dissemble the 
disseminate from all the data. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, that seems to be the main difference. And flight time, this one has a little bit less flight time than the, the, the Yeah, Mavic. just a couple minutes, though. I think yeah. that's important to some people, but, I mean, 21 minutes for me would be plenty. Yeah, it's still long, <laughs> no matter what. My, my current drone is 15 minutes max, and then it's out. So right. um, uh, I think that seems to be the main difference, basically. I know, I'm know i sure people out there say, yeah, what about this and this and this? Yeah, okay. But, but for me... The main attractiveness is the size. That basically right. all I cared about was that it was really small and it foldable, and I could pack it. You know, when I'm going on vacation, you know, sometimes space is a premium, especially when you're walking right. around. So something I can almost literally put in my pocket or my wife's uh, you know, pocketbook or something. Although, wait, she doesn't use a pocketbook. Well, you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> Backpack, I guess. <laughs> it is real attractive. Now this one does have its own transmitter, and you don't have to use some phone interface to fly the thing right right it looks the spark is a phone interface no spark has a regular transmitter too oh i thought that was an option uh, I, I guess it depends which one you buy i guess if you buy the higher grade one it actually has a very similar transmitter to the mavic okay did uh, you see that foldable remote though that's pretty <laughs> that's that's like star trekky <laughs> yeah that's similar to the mavics too it it cradles your phone like that which yeah. is actually Pretty nifty. It's pretty nifty. Uh, oh, this one, yeah. the, the, the gimbals come off, too. You can, or at least the gimbal sticks, you can pull them off and really make it small. Wow. I'm trying to think why you would want to do that. Just for space yeah, saving? Yeah, to make it easier to store. Hmm. You know, these gimbals sticking up, poking a hole in your pocket or it something. It has a very low profile when it's collapsed. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It's a really tiny little guy. So Tons. this is all clever and stuff and very high-tech G-Wiz. But my issue, and it's kind of the whole drone industry in general, is that every new technology that comes along is only helping the uneducated people to do dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the market is. That's the is. trend. The, this, ultimately, this is a company, and the company wants to sell stuff to anybody they can, and as many as they can. And so right. the more user-friendly and dumb you make it, you know, it's the iPhone, right? The Apple approach. Right. And right. yes, and when you make things foolproof, well, when when you, when you <laughs> when you make your your airplanes foolproof, fools will fly them, right? Right. So, so yeah, I, I imagine there's probably a conference room over at the FAA with people sitting there trying to figure out how to keep people from doing dumb stuff, and then over at DJI or whatever company, there, there's a conference room full of people figuring out how to make it easier to fly. Yeah, Hold exactly. my beer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> At some point, we'll probably get a little a skull cap, and you put it on, and you can fly it by thoughts, right? <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> so, I mean, with the hand gestures, I mean, we're you know not far away from that. No, actually, my one of my cell phones had that. I found it by accident. I've got your hand gesture. No, you you hold up your hand, and it recognizes your palm, and you like close and open your hand, and it would take a picture. Yeah. And, and uh, it worked about 75% of the time, so I didn't use it all that much. But I found it by accident when I was on vacation. I was like, well, this is kind of a neat thing. But so Well, you know, know, it, but that's not going to chop your hair off. No. So, I, you know, I think it's probably gimmicky, but it's there. And so okay, at some point, I, I don't have be. this kind of money. I don't have $800. And, and you're talking about how, you know, dumb people can get their hands on this and fly them around and people are unskilled. You know, I've been in this hobby a long time. I don't buy $800 model airplanes. Um, I can't afford an $800 Mavic Air. So it kind of reminds me when I have invested a lot of money in my camera gear and my lenses, and it's expensive, but I, I 
I'm a professional photographer and I go to a wedding and some idiot, you know, has the new Canon Mark V, you know, with the huge, you know, $3,000 lens. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I saw this in the store. I, I thought I'd grab it, you know, because he just has money to burn. And it's frustrating for me because I can't do that, you know, and and I, I'm disturbed by the price tag of it because you mentioned, you know, people just go out and buy this. I don't know who those people are. You know, unless they have terrible credit history, because I there can't, are I can't tens push of this. thousands, hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, well, that it, this impulse is, buy these. This things. is a billion dollar industry, Lee. That's fine. <laughs> There's a lot that's of people fine. out there, and, and that's that's fine. But I'm voicing my opinion that I can't justify the kind of money for this all all four of these: the Mavic Air, the Spark, and the Phantom Four. I, I I can't, and and I don't think. I mean, some of my fellow hobbyists can do it either. And it, I guess it frustrates me that there are people who just can throw that money out there who don't have the skills to fly it, and they do it. You know, And I, I'm not trying to say you you know, you don't have the skills, you can't do that. But it's like, gosh, I just, maybe I wish, I'm, maybe I'm a little jealous. I don't have that kind of money to fork over and experiment those. But, you know, if I did, I'd, I'd probably spend more time and effort to really understand the equipment versus... Mm kind of the advertising as you guys have pointed out it's like hey look what we can do we can go hiking and have a little thing follow our necks you know and we can have some really cool footage well uh, you have the luxury of the background knowledge that that you realize there's more to it than just putting it in the air like if, if there was some new whiz bang snowmobile that i wanted to go buy and i would just go do it having no idea that you know i i should be doing something to not kill people with a snowmobile so well, I, I think I don't know. Lee realized uh, I, I don't disagree with you, and this is a lot of money, and I, I'm not rushing out to go buy one either. Uh, if I got one, it would be either far in the future or used. <laughs> but um, uh, these are these are not really for us. These are not for our hobbyists, so to speak. More or less for the consumer and for the the casual hobbyist, maybe. And uh, maybe that. <laughs> and I, we're not disagreeing. We're just talking. Yeah. And maybe that frustrates me even more that the casual person will go slap a credit card down and pick up a Phantom Four at Best Buy, and then yeah. you know while they're walking out the store, hey, let's turn it on. It's there's some battery charge in it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Then, you know, I want to protect well, our hobby, and I know we're already fighting the FAA that, more and more. This, well, this, those this, people don't tend to own them for very long. There's. There's the really reckless ones like that, and then there's probably a median reckless who just want to read the quick start guide and go and figure the rest out on their own, mm-hmm. and they can do dumb stuff. And then there's people who read every paragraph and, and do things safely. Yeah. I have no idea how the percentages break down, but th- they're just selling millions and millions of these things. So, I know. Lee, you I- are the minority. You know, that's the second time you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> what I Put me in the minority about, like... Lead the. It's going to be called a drone, so you just have to, you know, forget about it. I'm just. I'm going to be using my old man status now from now on on this episode, on this podcast, and just say, "Well, in my days, <laughs> used to have respect for model airplanes." Um, I, I, I think it, it frustrates me. I think the technology is incredible. If I, I've all, you guys know this. I've always wanted to get into aviation photography, so I am interested in these. I think that it's it's very neat, and if I continued my business full-time and, and could find a way to, to, to use these in a safe and, and productive method versus just, you know, let's go walking down the, you know, this cliff and get some really cool views. And I, I just have to, for me, I have to justify my costs in spending that. And um, it's, it's tough. I, I just, I can't do that. And, and honestly, I'd, I'd rather spend 
$800 on three or four airplanes and, and have a hoot. And it's, you know, I'm, it's just a very, it's a, it's a, wow, it's a lot of money. Well, one will probably end up just flying into your yard sooner or later. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know what's just great? Just put up a net. Terry, that's so awesome. I was talking to, we'll talk about this later, but I was talking to Richard at Georgetown, and he said like on Christmas morning, <laughs> one fell into his lawn. <laughs> and he looked around, he said no one was there, so I put it on my mailbox hoping that someone would get it, and he goes, no one got it. <laughs> so it's like they just fell from the sky. <laughs> so I guess I'll keep my eye out next Christmas and just look it around, see if I see any flashing lights. <laughs> Put up a net around the house. You'll catch something. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry I got us off the rail there, but I, I just wanted to voice my opinion on that. <laughs> All right. Well, on that uh, very verbose note, uh, let's uh, take a break and we'll be right back. Howdy, y'all. This is Bob from Bob's Balsa Barn. We've been your fourth favorite balsa supplier for, well, pert near as long as I can remember. And I reckon it's time we clear up a little bit of confusion about the name. All the time, I got folks calling me saying, Bob, how much balsa you got in that barn? Well, I reckon you city folks got a funny way of looking at things sometimes. If I told you I had a log cabin, would you think that my cabin was full of logs? What if I told you I live in a ranch house? Would you think that I got buckets of ranch dressing just stacked to the ceiling? No, that don't make a lick of sense. And neither does a barn filled with balsa wood. There ain't nothing in this old barn but my John Deere, a few bales of hay, and about a dozen ornery goats. You see, I call it Bob's Balsa Barn because the balsa is the barn. When you call me up, well, I just walk on over there, grab my pocket knife, and whittle off whatever you need. It's just as simple as that. Well, I tell you what, after so many years of doing business, parts of this old barn are starting to look a little sparse. You know, just last week, the county tax man came by said there weren't enough wood left to call it a barn no more. I was going to have to change the name to Bob's Balsa Lean-To. I didn't much like the sound of that, so I done run him off with my shotgun. But you know, that old boy's got a point. Shoot, every time we get a spell of rain around here, it smells like wet goat for about a week. But don't you worry, as long as this here barn's still a-standing, I'm going to be here, selling it to you piece by piece. So ring up old Mabel down at the Pigeon Holler switchboard, have her patch you through to Bob's Balsa Barn. I'll be here waiting for you. Hey guys, we mentioned on our previous podcast that we were going to be doing more events and getting together. And first up was the Georgetown Aero Modelers Swap Meet in Georgetown, Texas. Fitz and I took a trip over there and boy, it was exciting. And the good news is a lot of you who were following us on Facebook got a glimpse of uh, the situation uh, that happened there. And I was having fun posting my uh, self-promo. <laughs> this is the Lee hour. Uh, anyway, just, just doing uh, some video walkthroughs of Georgetown. And right off the bat, I, I'm not kidding. This is exactly what happened. I, I get there. I park my car. I'm walking to the community center. I've never been here before, so I had no idea what to expect, but there were two, maybe three vehicles that had some airplanes in front of their cars. And this one guy just walked up to me and said, you know, this might be the last time they have the, the swap meet. And I mean, that's exactly how he told it to me. I said, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, they've got these tax guys in there who are 
passing out forms and you know people are leaving left and right because they don't want to pay taxes on their on their stuff and he goes and now they're coming out and telling us we can't sell out here and i, I haven't said a word to this guy but i just he just started talking to me and i was like well I, this is the first time i've been here and he was he had to vent to somebody he did oh and he was he was not happy and he was telling me that there were usually a lot more vehicles there in the morning and even though this was friday and how it was really uncomfortable and these and i was like okay well i'm gonna go in and talk and so i took some photos and i went to the main entrance where uh do you remember bob's last name Fitz? i don't have it on me uh, He's the, uh my brain is terrible with names i don't remember his last name sorry okay Bob, this great guy, he's the vice president of the club, and I apologize, I don't have his uh, his name, name here in front of me. I'll try looking it up. Thank you. He was sitting there and said, guys, I, I'm new to this swap meet. I'm coming from Houston, and I, I was hearing from a guy outside about some tax guys, and uh, Fitz actually has an interview with Bob that he could probably explain the whole situation much better than me, but the synopsis is they've had this swap meet for 21 years. I think that was, this is the 21st swap meet i think it was at this community center and a disgruntled member who i believe was let go of the club knew a friend of a friend and called the comptroller and said hey guys did you know they have this swap meet at this community center and they're not collecting taxes and from there the 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 ball just rolled and uh, turned into a huge boulder and these six to eight Texas comptrollers showed up, had a table up there, laptops, forms, and they were going to every table who had set up and said, if you are selling at this event, you must submit a tax uh, form with your name, phone number, address, social security number, and you have to report back to us exactly how much you spent and and pay the eight and a quarter tax uh, bracket. And I could go on and on, but let's just say that really put some fear and disgust in people. I have never been to a swap meet where this was an issue. Most people who are at a swap meet, I think, are going to probably just bring a, a couple of planes. I mean, you might have a vendor, uh, an actual hobby store bringing stuff, but uh, and maybe some that bring more than 20 planes. But some of this stuff is just people's junk that has been in their workshop, and they're hoping to find someone else who has an interest. And... Bob told me that they had 40% of the tables vacated on Friday. And a lot of people were leaving. In fact, I did post a before and after photo of a guy who had a little outdoor setup, which I believe he'd been there before. And it must have had 200 plus items for sale. And within an hour or two, he was gone. Um, and well, let's there, be clear. Somebody looked up the tax code, and they were right. If you're at an event where you're paying for space, or I forget how they classified it, but technically, per the law, they should have been paying taxes. I think the very strange part is that uh, that has never, ever been enforced that I've seen. Especially not to the degree where G-men were showing up on site. And didn't you say they were like writing down people's names? Yes. So that, no, yeah, so that just goes to a different extreme but, and i'll uh, go ahead Fitz. well yeah well for i understand they, they were there specifically because a complaint was filed is that all you have to do file a complaint apparently so apparently that it was not something you know reason why it's rarely enforced is i guess they've got better things and bigger fish to fry but since specifically a complaint was filed in writing they had to follow up on it and that's why they were there on friday Note that they were not there on Saturday. Correct. Yeah. So and, I would imagine that 
the revenue they collected is not as much as those guys got paid. To right. Be there it was day. a net loss in, in money for the, for the, for the state yeah. for them to be there. And they probably felt that. Let's just uh, hash this out for another minute or two and then talk about the pros of the Georgetown swap meet. But a lot of people did leave. My friend Richard Ng, who was there, who we kind of hung out with most of the time, said it was extremely different than previous years. Uh, a lot of people were gone. In fact, uh, my good friend Stuart Rush from Houston had planned to sell stuff, and he had four or five tables he rented. And he had no interest in participating in this, uh, I'm not going to say harassment, but odd um I any better words? Selective enforcement. <laughs> okay, I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I, I felt bad for, for many of those people. Again, because if you just had a couple of items that you wanted to sell, I mean, the, the tables were $10, $20 fits. Do you recall the cost for renting a table? Uh, you know, I don't remember. Maybe it was 20 No, eh, maybe. I can't remember. Sorry. <clears throat> they, they've always claimed to, to have sold out of their table rentals prior to the event starting. So that's a... That's a good thing. But some of, the, some of the people who brought just a couple of things, I mean, weren't going to make much more. I mean, it wasn't a huge profit margin. Yeah. Well, but I digress. Well, I think the law also stated if you sold less than $3,000, you didn't have to pay taxes on it. Something like uh, that. That's a separate thing. Yeah. That's if you're selling like a garage sale uh, or something. Okay. But if you're at an event like this one, there was no mm. limit on the cost. I spoke to several different people. One guy had mentioned it because it was at this community center. That was the main reason. If they had been somewhere else, that probably wouldn't have been a big deal. But, um, and, you know, again, there's the law written in books that there are some crazy laws out there. I was, I think I was telling Terry, there's a great show I used to watch. uh, 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 Not wait, wait, don't tell me. uh, Says You is a NPR show. And one of the gags was they look up really, really weird state laws. And then they had to, they, they told him and you had to tell them if they were real or not. And this is kind of one of those laws that's written in the books. But yes, as Terry said, it's rarely enforced. And I've never seen it happen. And none of the people I talked to said they had ever seen it happen. My, my guess is that um, this might have an effect on the next one they have. But I, I doubt that we, they, unless another complaint was filed that any tax people would show up. And by the, the third year, it'll be all forgotten. Yeah. Did they seem happy to be there? No. But they, I, but let me point out, everyone was cordial. People were oh, yeah, upset. I'm sure. But I did not see any raised, oh, excuse me, I did not see any people arguing with them or raising their voices. Uh, people were given the forms. The, the people I actually saw talking were just say, guys, this is how it is. I, I know you don't like it. But here's the law. And they showed them the paperwork. And, and again, no... No major disruption. It just upset people. Now, did I understand that the club had to pay back taxes before this? Yes. What do you it, know about that? Uh, Fitz, did you get the the information? Was it five years? No, sorry, did I didn't Bob get. Tell you? I, I didn't get that information. I didn't really ask him about the the tax thing. I thought it might have been I, a, sort of a tender. You didn't talk. ask about the taxes. Nah, I thought it might be a little too. <laughs> intrusive the answer is yes bob did mention that he had to uh have a conversation with them prior to the event starting and had to write them a, a big fat check and i'll just leave it at that oh crap. just really? estimate their sales oh that is okay see now that to me is just way out there unless they kept some sort of records that show exactly how much everybody sold and what their true tax burden would be that's just harassment 
Be careful who you kick out of your club. I guess. Wow. By the way, uh, it looks like Bob Petronek is his name. Ah, and he was a great guy. I like talking with him. He very old old guy, just you know, fun to. T- and he was so you know, just willing to to chat with me. I like that. So it's funny you had that post that mentioned the thing about the tax guys being there, and that got shared by a few people. And one of the persons that responded to a shared version was saying that at the big SWAT meet in Perry, Georgia, um, they also hand out those forms for people to to claim sales tax or pay sales tax. But he also said that the the government guys don't show up to to enforce it. They just hand out the forms, and he said usually the trash bins are full of those forms. Hmm. I was curious about Perry, you know, and if yeah. this is going to be, as someone said, is this we're, we're going to have to start expecting now, and I hope not. Huh. I used to have a joke uh, I saw it says uh, how economics works is people buy stuff, people sell stuff. And the government gets in the way. Right. <laughs> well, as we all were talking about, uh, you know, Randy Larson was there too. And uh, we were chatting and he said, you know, it's just like, you know, they're taxing on items that we've already paid taxes on. And it's like a car or anything else. But when it came to an RC swap meet, it just, you, they weren't apples to apples. You know, I don't think you can do, although uh, that being said, there were a couple of guys selling large planes over three grand. <laughs> so, hmm. but I mean, the, the concept is the same. So. Yeah. So let's talk about the good stuff. There's some good stuff about George. I don't know. You got me bumped now. I don't no, know. It, I'll, I'll bring you back up. I'll bring you. I'll, I'll make you smile. So right off the bat, there were people there. They were selling stuff. Uh, it was kind of fun to go to, to some vintage aircraft. There were there was actually one Cox 049 engine there. Only <laughs> one? Like, there was one. And as Fitz pointed out to me later, but this one guy was giving away free Cox 049 wrenches, head wrenches. And, nice. I, took, and I took one. <laughs> so I'm now the proud owner of one. So there were some free things uh, there. There were a couple of people actually looking for trades, you know, looking for something else. So they were to ask, you know, hey, I got this, you know, what do so you have to do? So was that the workaround? Free head wrenches, but a dollar for a handshake? <laughs> as, I, as I told Richard, I said, Richard, why don't you consult with the buyer first, give him your advice, charge him for your advice, and then tell him the kit's free. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, there were some some trades going around, and I saw those. And uh, it, I mean, a couple of my friends got some good deals. I I got a good deal. Richard had a vintage Kyosho Spacewalker, which I posted a photo of. It's a it's an older kit that was glow, but uh, it was funny to me. I found an old RC groups like around 1997. Wasn't that when RC groups started? Was it 97? Yeah. Was that your plan? No, no, it was still E Zone back then. Okay, so it was E Zone. So this guy shoved like 16 sub C NICADs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I remember those days. Yeah, well, I did that to my uh, four star forty, but I'm looking forward to to making this a lipo. So we get that, and Terry, tell him what you got. Oh, well, you got it for me, and Fitz is going to hand deliver it. But it's an old Kyosho T33 EDF. Is that maybe the first practical EDF kit that was out? If there was another one, I'm not aware of it. Mm, I think you might be right. Yeah, brushed motor, seven cell NICAD. Yeah. And yeah, I we have were one. happy to have it. I have one too. Right. Yours was kind of a mess, right? Has you oh, done anything with it? It's still a mess, but yes, I have one. I've, and I've always wanted one, so I'm glad you, you picked up on that, Terry. Yeah, thanks. And then what did you get? We all got Kyosho kits. What did you get, Fitz? I got a nice little Kyosho Mirage Jet. A little 45-millimeter ducted fan, sort of a 
squint you know really tightly and kind of stand way back it looks like a, a dassault mirage in a french jet but it's sort of just a sport jet looking thing but it's really neat looking and i got it for like oh, dirt cheap ready to fly ready to fly even has a receiver in it and i got it for like 25 oh. bucks yeah it was in the auction yeah, the auction was. It was the auction. I, I, yeah, the auction. I also has. I have some video of it too. I haven't posted it yet, but uh, the auction was. At least I think it was better than Weatherford, right? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> the announcer is much more exciting. Somebody please buy this. <laughs> no, we won't get into it. But the Weatherford auction was. Uh... No. First off, first off, we gotta we gotta talk about Fitz and the first auction item that came up. <laughs> hey i'm Come new on, to this Fitz. auction thing <laughs> okay well i'll just tell the story well, the first item that came up was a plane i don't remember what it was do you it's uh uh it was uh the the, the great plains uh fun flyer thing uh what was it called not an uproar but uh yeah it was yeah, yeah it was original well, uproar yeah the old so, uproar. so so they're they're asking for bids and uh jeff Fitz and I are all behind this table. We're taking pictures and stuff. And they say, $20 to that guy. So they come walking over and they hand it to Fitz. <laughs> and I said, Fitz, you bought the upper? And he goes, no. And they go, yeah, you raised your hand. And Fitz goes, I was just taking a picture. <laughs> they, they, they saw him raise his camera to take a picture. They thought he was bidding. So. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't some quarter scale nitro breather thing. <laughs> yeah. No, we no. Left. Well, that sounds final. No, he was a good sport about it. They took it back and, and they went back I, up again. I have that on video, so I will share that little <laughs> clip as, as a special to our release on this. Yeah. For, oh my God. Like Jeff the, and I laugh so hard. For like the next five minutes, I was just sitting on my hands. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, so, so did they believe you when you bid on the jet? Uh, I think they were a little apprehensive at first. They're like, "You sure?" <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> uh, so he, so in the auction, uh, Fitz bid on the jet. Uh, Jeff bought some floats. What six dollars? Uh, if that much, yeah. It was yeah, <laughs> some cheap foam floats, and then I picked up a. Uh, I think it was a Spectra glider this, they were just pretty much giving away it was five bucks this guy bid six i went seven but i i picked it up for austin i just figured austin would either play with it or take the servos out to uh use on his his park zone yeah, yeah the price yeah. you got a built two meter glider with servos for seven dollars yes yep wow and something rattling in one of the wingtips we don't know what it is but we just figured it it, <laughs> it makes it fly better so we'll leave it in gives yeah. it character so is it beat up or is it okay it's, I mean, even beat up with servos, it's worth seven dollars. Yeah. It's beat up, but I will tell you, whoever built it uh, put the tow hook in the nose. <laughs> oh, the very front. Yeah, so I'm sure that yeah. wouldn't that wasn't helping. But I will tell you, it was a good seven dollars spent because when I brought it back, Austin was all excited. Oh, so there you go. I did good, and I did bring something back for for Ryan. I got him a little balsa thrower thing, so all good. Uh, it, you know, there was a lot of glow engines there. Uh, I. And I guess I didn't even mention the, the piece de resistance. Um, I went out looking for a DLE 20. And sure enough, there was this one guy who had a brand new inbox DLE 20. And on Friday, I saw it and I said, man, I, you're, you know, you're asking the right price because it's brand new in box. And he'd only gotten it uh, like a couple of months before. 
I said, but that's just, this is too high. So on Saturday, it was still sitting there, and it was still sitting there, and finally, I was, I guess Fitz and Richard and Randy all talked me into it. <laughs> and I went ahead. Peer pressure. I It was. I paid the guy, and I have a brand new DLE 20 in box, and uh, I'm looking forward to installing that on my Corsair. So I, I actually received something that I was looking for at the, the swap meet. So kudos, you know. It was a, it was worth the trip. And you should note, it, it, come, it came with a Pitts muffler, too, on it. Correct. Which was a separate item. So, yeah, you got a pretty good deal on that, I think. Oh, I think I got a great deal. And the guy was, and I love talking to the guy, you know? Yeah, and it was fact, nice did, you, did you interview him or just chat with him? No, I just chat with him, him and his wife a little bit. Yeah. So I got a picture of him. And uh, nice people there. I, I really, a lot of nice people there. Didn't feel like there was any, uh, you know, tough sales with anybody. I think a lot of people were smiling and, no. and walking out the door with stuff. Hey, what was that helicopter you saw, Fitz? That was the old Light Machines LMH um, uh, 100, I think they're called. Uh, these were uh, kind of popular in the early 2000s, late uh, 90s. Uh, they had, it was originally an 049-powered helicopter with a mechanical gyro. Not like an electrical mechanical, but purely mechanical. That used the uh, phenomena of gyroscopic progression to keep the tail steady. And uh, it was a really kind of a fascinating model. And they eventually made an electric version, which I actually did a review for RC groups many moons ago. Um, it used a brushed motor and round cells, and it flew okay. Uh, but it's it was just rare to see one. This one looked really pristine. It had a gas engine, I think a Norvell 60 on it. So this was the upgraded version. And uh, really nice looking. And uh, these are kind of great machines to learn on because they're basically indestructible. You can ram this thing into a brick wall and just pick it back up and fly it off again. And uh, so I had a nice chat with the owner. Uh, he wasn't really familiar with it, so I kind of gave him a data download on what he can do and how to fly it, that kind of stuff. And uh, he seemed really appreciative, and that was just kind of neat to see it and kind of reminisce through some of the uh, an old model that's seeing new life. You didn't go, hey, I got 20 bucks here. Can I, just take, <laughs> can I take it off your hands for you? It was tempting, but he, the way I was talking to him, it seems like he, him and his son would have a lot of fun playing around with it, so I didn't want to... I didn't want to encroach on that, so let them have their fun. I still have actually bits of mine in the somewhere, <laughs> believe it or not. So it's not like I don't have one. Um, so I might maybe res resurrect mine at some point. I'm impressed with your restraint. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> hey, I already walked out with like three things. No thanks Fitz to you. Park grew three sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended up picking up a motor that Mirage Jet and. Uh, that A26 oh, yeah. that you you kind of uh, made it easy for me to get. So what was the last thing? Uh, A26 or B26. Oh yeah, we all chipped in to help him get a B26 uh, balsa bomber. How big? Uh, it's not that big. It's about 48 inch wingspan. Oh. Some guy started building it from plans, scratch building it, and he's gotten it about maybe 75 percent done. It's Kind of a cute little bugger. And I kept looking at it. It's like, you know, this is really neat. It's something I've never seen a, uh, a kit like that. Well, a, a you know, model that size of a B-26, all balsa wood. He had started. It was kind of weird because he hadn't really finished the fuselage, but he had started covering parts of it. Um, and But he, he gave me, uh, it came with the plans, which don't say who they're from, so I have no idea. He told me, and I forgot the name. And is that Mark Riddinger's? Did Mark Riddinger make one? Uh, maybe it's an A26. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. I was, no, I think he did a B26 too. I'd look it up. I had hoped that the plans would have said who it was from, but they didn't. Oh, they don't have the name on? Didn't know. No. Very, very odd. No. It didn't have the name on it. 
Uh, and even had a, um, a mold for the canopy so I could vacuum form another canopy if I wanted to. Uh, so it's kind of neat. I look forward to finishing it up at some point, someday, some year, some century. But uh, uh, it was a neat, really neat find. And so that's kind of the great things you find at these swap meets. Is it's the really oddball stuff that you're like, I got to have that. That's just too cool. I'd like to point out that Jeff and I helped fund the, the B-25, but uh, there was no funding of my DLE. <laughs> just a lot of peer pressure. <laughs> hey, I'll make Fitz, it a Speaking of unique finds, what was the name of the um, the cargo plane, the twin-engine cargo plane, that silver one that was near the table that had that uh, uh, Yamamoto boat? Oh, right. Yamato, not Yamamoto. Sorry, Yamato boat? Yes. And what it's a ship, that... not a boat. Okay, forget the boat. <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the twin cargo plane, that silver twin, that custom... Yeah, that was a, a C-119. Flying boxcar. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, it was kind of like neat. That. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I was like, "Wow, that's that's another something you don't really see." Uh, my only my dad jumped out of one of those, or several of those. Your friend? My dad. Oh, your dad. Oh, yeah. When he was a paratrooper, that was one of the planes he jumped out of. I didn't know your father was a paratrooper. He was. Oh. Yeah. Just... Learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the that only sometimes. criticism I had is that the uh, the prop adapters were way too forward. They needed to. Oh. To sh- shove the shove, shove the props back too much, but I thought it was a neat build. I don't think it. I mean, it looked like a complete balsa kit. Yeah, who make is that? Uh, Triddle make a kit of that, or who? Because it wasn't very big. Yeah, he does. Yeah. It might have been a oh, Triddle's maybe. kit of it because it wasn't very big. And while we're guesstimating designers, it looks like Mark Rittinger did design a B twenty six about that size. So you may want to see if that's what you've got. Okay, thanks. I'm gonna look it up. So Georgetown was a success, although we had a little snag. We hope it doesn't repeat itself. Hopefully in, in future uh, years that, that uh, we just move along and go back to normal. Are you <laughs> saying you're just going to ignore the laws next year? What? Shh. Shush, Terry. Shush. No, no. Just, I'm just swapping everything. <laughs> From now on, it's just a swap. <laughs> We're going to go there to swap. And yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, but I had fun. I'm glad I went. And uh, there are a couple other swap meets coming out. And our club is as uh, hosting a swap meet in February 24th on February 24th, Northwest RC. So I'll post a link there. And guys, this is this is a great place to go look. And even if you don't buy anything <laughs> that you don't want to pay taxes on, you should go. It's it's neat to see all these uh, aircraft. And I, it was neat to see that uh, the B25 that. That fits bought, and I'm glad I got that old Kyosho kit. So, you can find now, cool stuff. Lee, I know that you know the difference between a B25 and a B26. It was a B25, wasn't it? You guys kept saying B26. No, it was a, it was a B25, wasn't it? No, it was a B26. Oh, really? Yes, yes. It wasn't covered, and it was in many pieces. They so look nothing alike. Well. We have to record the whole episode over now. <laughs> All right, start over. Such an idiot. <laughs> I thought I thought it had the twin tail on it. It was. No, I mean, negative. honestly. All I saw was the, the front of the fuselage and a wingtip. So, you know, <laughs> sorry. It's not in my car. <laughs> I'm just trying to save you embarrassment. Uh, well, I'm, it, that's I'm fine with that. Too late you know? for that. Too late now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, not I'm trying great. to embarrass you. <laughs> 25 26 whatever uh, it takes uh, how about buddy b25 and a half can we just you know <laughs> <laughs> split the difference <laughs> yeah we'll compromise 
Oh, God darn it. I'm so sorry. All right. Really thought it was a B-25. I saw two engines and a nose. <laughs> it was yellow. It was a cub. <laughs> Champ cub. Same thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where do we go from there? I don't know. Well, well, all in all, we had a really good time at the uh, Georgetown swap meet, and, uh, and I think I'll, I'll go back next year. Uh, I think this is something. It's a day trip distance, and uh, it was it was good to go to another part of Texas to see what other modelers have for for getting rid of and that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it all was worth it, and I think things will settle out over time. Yeah, it was nice to see some friends from other cities too that were there. So we yeah. had other people from Houston and Austin and San Antonio. So. Yeah, and, and it might even be a new venue next year, so that might be fun to, to hmm. check it out. Okay. All right. Hey, hey uh, speaking of RC events in Texas, have you heard? Uh, yes, we did. Best isn't canceled, is it? <laughs> no. Lee's <laughs> <laughs> about to have a quinary. Yeah, don't, don't scare me like that, Terry. <laughs> no, uh, yesterday, Flight Test announced that they're having Flight Fest Texas. And Apache Pass. And I just want to let the audience know it's because of us. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. We were the ones who put the uh, gears in motion. And that is why Texas is going to be blessed with Flight Fest. You're welcome. They were going to call it the Lee Ray. Uh, they were. <laughs> Austin, Austin called me and he said, hey, Lee, do you mind if we call it the Lee Ray Extravaganza? I said, you know, let's just Flight Fest Texas. Sounds great. Let's just do that. So I'm already famous enough. I don't need that too. That's exactly so. what I said. But yes, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say, if y'all go to an early, early episode with uh, Austin Fury as a host, we kept suggesting that Texas needs to be uh, a flight fest. And by golly, Apache Pass has acquired a flight fest Texas, which is when? In November? November, yeah. November 1st and through the 4th? Mm, sure. And mm. I can, unless there is something... Uh, that I can't get away from in Houston, I will be there. RC Roundtable will have a presence at Flight Fest Texas. So that's what about two hours from you guys? Two hours, three hours. Who cares? I'm going to be there. You know, I was just no. It's less. It's less. It's it? it's before you get to Austin. Yeah, I was looking at the, on a map, and I had heard of Apache Pass. I've never been there, and it, it seems like that's the, actually the perfect spot to have an event like that because it seems to be equidistant from. Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio, which are probably three of the biggest cities in Texas. Uh, so they, now, they can pull from all those communities. Our good friend Ben Warren, he has told me several times that uh, we have got to go to Apache Pass. And I think it hasn't been that I haven't wanted to go, but most of the time there's an event there it conflicts with something else I'm mm. doing. So at this point, though, I am, I'm going to be you know putting this date in stone on our family calendar. And I... I have full plans to, to go to Flight Fest. I think it'll be awesome. I, it looks exciting. And if you watch the promo video, they seem really excited about it. You know, they yeah. had lots of positive things to say about this facility. And, and I, I texted Ben, you know, yesterday when I found out. And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew that yesterday. <laughs> so he's already on top of it. But I, I, it's going to be a uh, – well, let's all get a bus. Let's <laughs> take a bus from, from Houston over there. Just shove everything in a big uh, big RV and we'll, we'll – I have a partay. So are you going to build some flight fest something or other? Or flight oh, yeah. test plane? Oh, yeah. I think I'll do that scout. 
Oh yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, they they really push that scale. So yeah, while I'm there, I'll do that. And oh, this is gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Now, if I remember what uh, Austin said, Flypass is really a place that you don't want to bring your best planes to. You want to bring right. something that you don't mind if it gets uh, ripped apart and destroyed, destroyed and mid-aired uh, five times uh, over the weekend or something like that. You know, I'm bringing twenty thunder and lightnings, <laughs> <laughs> numbered one through twenty, and yeah. see where you get on Sunday. Exactly, there you, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that should be fun. All right. Well, I guess we'll. Uh, we we'll look at this, this again uh, when it gets closer to the time and date, and see what, what kind of stuff we can come up with to bring to it. It's time for Terry. <laughs> like tea time? It's no, it's, four ter- o'clock. it's Terry talk. And now, Terry talk. <laughs> so let me give you guys an update on the Buffalo winter. It actually. There's hardly any snow on the ground now, which is surprising to me. I don't know what's normal, but um, I expected just frozen tundra like eight months out of the year. and That's not really what it's like. But I have been doing RC stuff in the snow. I think I talked before about flying my, um, what's that plane called? Oh, the Origin Funter, which is um, kind of like an easy star. Flying that right off the snow, off the belly. And more recently, I went flying last weekend. There were several people out there. There were some planes on skis, some planes on floats. And because the snow had started melting then, there were some patches of grass. There were planes, like mine, on uh, tires. So it was kind of dealer's choice. You could use just about anything. Hmm. I don't think there were no hand launch planes there last weekend. Every plane took off one way or another. And uh, it all works. Now, yesterday I went flying with my Bird of Time, and uh, that's obviously a hand launcher, and everything went fine there, but what I didn't realize is that there was ice on the runway, and it was really hard, so even though I was landing on grass, I was landing on grass with a layer of ice, and it was like, uh, if you can imagine the, the windows in your bathroom that are all kind of textured, so it's hard like glass, but it's textured, yeah, that's what it was like. I think I busted up my spinner a little bit. Oh. <laughs> you yeah. didn't. You didn't catch it with your hand. Well, I probably would have. Well, no, that's a bad idea. It was a very bad idea. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was just expecting kind of some slushy stuff. You come in and you hear the squish and it goes, but it came down and clunk. Like, oh, what was that? And then grind like eighty grit earth. So I got the hang of it. I made several landings, but that first one took me by surprise. Um, anyway, so uh, flying completely doable off the snow and a lot of fun. I've also been doing some car stuff. You know, I made uh, chains for some of my RC cars to make them go through the snow a little better. And I think we talked a little bit about that terrain twister. Or maybe I just had pictures of it. But that little uh, Tyco toy that uses screw propulsion, that thing's pretty cool. And I've upgraded it to normal hobby-grade RC stuff. And I've got another one that I'm going to upgrade to whatever extent is practical or impractical. So, Fitz, you got one. Are you prepared to talk about your, your uh, plans for it? Uh, unfortunately, not so much. Uh, I just kind of pulled it out of the box and make sure it was all in one piece. And It looks kind of neat, and it looks fine. I, mine doesn't have a transmitter, so I'm going to have to go straight to hooking up something myself with an old transmitter or something. Uh, but it looks pretty neat. Uh, it's a kind of a goofy, futuristic 
kind of thing. Uh, of course, no snow down here, at least not anymore. We had, what, one day? Uh, right. But um, but actually, I look forward to playing around with it on the water. I think at the next boat yeah. meet, I might stick it on the water, just harass some of the other boaters with it. Totally. <laughs> what? <laughs> I predicted that Fitz would have it there, so you oh. could check it out before well, you buy one for yourself. Well, we posted on our Facebook page that if they had a blue one, I'd get one. And it's sure enough, you'd like... Wait, five seconds later, posted a blue one. <laughs> but now I had Fitz wasn't aware of this, but Terry and I were chatting about the these Tyco twisters, and there are several knockoffs available. Oh yeah, so yeah, there are. And uh, I guess you know, if I just want to be the cheapest possible, I'll look for something in the thirty dollars range. But uh, well, I'll, I'll the knockoffs around. aren't even any cheaper, so I'm not sure where they're cutting corners. Yeah, I think that's about what I paid for mine shipped. So it's like thirty. Well, that was a used one. Used well, one. yeah, used one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the the cheapest I found was one that was fifty nine dollars new, and what was it? Fly Toys Inc. or something? <laughs> <laughs> Most best we, toy company. Yeah, we toy make. <laughs> now, now, Terry, I wasn't quite clear how you set yours up. Did you use mixing in the radio, or you just use the two sticks and had tank like steering? Tank like steering. Okay, and two sticks. You could do a mixing like a throttle yeah. steering mix. It's up to you. Okay. If you want to use a pistol grip, that's probably better. Uh, yeah, I've got a pistol grip radio. I'm not sure if it'll do that mixing, though. Um, i have to check. Maybe with an external mixer. Yeah, maybe a VTL mixer or something. Yeah. I might have one. But I modified one of my old tactic radios to self-center the throttle, mm. so I just drive it like a tank. Okay. Works pretty well. Hmm. I'll have to play with it. Yes, I upgraded some of my other stuff to run in snow, too. Actually, I have a purpose-built snow vehicle, the Kyosho Blizzard, which is like a what do you call them, snowcats? Yeah. And I've had that thing for years, and the only other time I've run it was, uh, oddly enough, in Florida. And I just remember it was blazing hot. You know, I used to visit Florida in the summers, and so I had it then. I remember taking pictures of this thing just pouring sweat while it's driving on the sugar snow, which I guess is oddly enough, or excuse me, I said sugar sand. I was driving it on the sand there. And uh, it did really well in that, but just... It seemed out of place with the sweat pouring off of my body. Uh, but up here in Buffalo, I took it out in the snow, and man, that thing is just unstoppable. Really? It will go over anything. Oh, yeah. And it's got a snow plow in the front, and that's kind of effective. So do you but... plow your driveway or sidewalks with it then? Well, I guess if I had a spare six hours, I could. <laughs> <laughs> I think the novelty of doing it by RC would wear off pretty quickly. But uh, no, it's just fun to drive around and see what it can go over. Hmm. And the last thing that I recall that I did was uh, upgraded an airboat. I had the Aquacraft Alligator Tours, or Mini Alligator Tours, which is a little plastic airboat that has a Speed 400 on it. And it's made for 7-cell NICAD. When I got this thing a few years ago, I put a smaller prop on it and upgraded to a 3-cell LiPo, and that boosted the power pretty good. But when I tried it on the snow, it still wasn't enough power for that. So I yanked out the whole radio system because it was one of those that has the integrated brush speed control and receiver. So you can't just put in a brushless motor. Um, so I yanked all that out, put in a separate receiver, separate brushless speed control, and uh, a small brushless motor, roughly a Speed 400 equivalent. What is it? A 2212-06, which is a 2200 kV motor. And it fit right in the existing motor slot, and that got it moving on the snow hmm. quite well. So with that and a three-cell battery, it, it goes pretty well. The only problem is there's a plastic cage that kind of protects uh, like a prop guard, and it's also part of the rudder hinge. 
I guess, out in the cold. It gets pretty brittle. So I jumped it off of a snowbank, and the prop kind of touched that cage and shattered it into a million pieces. Mm. So I, I'm in the process of rebuilding the hinge. So, mm. Other than that, it's been fun. Sounds like you've been having some fun in the, in the snow, huh? Yeah. So I was going to ask you, when you grew up in Connecticut, what sort of RC stuff did you do in the winter? I didn't do anything beyond RC cars at the time. I never had an airboat or, of course, we didn't have anything like a twister or anything fun like that. Um, mm. Yeah, mainly just RC car stuff at the time. You didn't fly planes off the snow yeah, or anything? No, I didn't really get into planes until pretty late. Um, and uh, shortly after... Uh, I, I think I flew gliders out in the snow. That was kind of... When I got into planes, I, I would ultimately end up leaving the state not that long after. So um, I didn't belong to a club or anything at the time, so I was sort of a rogue flyer at schoolyards and stuff. And mainly I flew uh, gliders, and so that was about the only thing I flew in the snow. Hey, you guys are smart people. Maybe you can answer a question for me. <laughs> We're smart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there thermals in the winter? Uh, well, yeah, technically there are. So I was just wondering if you could do normal gliding. I, I don't know if there would be that much of one unless you had something over a parking, a, a really dark parking lot or something. Well, I didn't know if maybe the heating of sunlight on the snow is enough to heat up the air. No, no, the snow is too reflective. You need something with a, a, a dark patch, like a, a, a blacktop parking lot or maybe, um, probably not rooftop. much else. A rooftop Asphalt or rooftop. something, yeah, if they, if they were clear. Okay, because when I was flying yesterday, the the wind seemed very cooperative, or the air did. Mm. I don't know if it's just how this particular airplane flies, but it didn't want to come down. Mm, really? And Lee, you grew up in Houston, so winter is just a slightly less <laughs> hot summer, right? Yeah. You put your jeans on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well. All right, well, thanks for that, Terry. Uh Brings back a little bit of memories, and uh, it's interesting uh, to see how you've adapted to the Great White North, and it uh, sounds like you've taken to it like a bug in a rug, huh? So far, yeah. I think it's all still a novelty, so we'll we'll see how I feel about it next year. <laughs> and all the locals seem to think that we'll get another, another round of snow before this is all over, maybe sometime in February. Yeah, probably so. So, yeah, I hope so, because I have more stuff I want to try, but they probably hit me with a sack full of doorknobs if they heard me say that. <laughs> but, but yeah, i got more stuff I want to do before the winter's over. Oh, cool. I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah. All right. Well, the uh, time has arrived. And if you recall, in our last episode, we had a, a, a very special guest uh, in the form of Jim Burke, the owner of Knife Edge Software, which makes the real flight uh, RC simulator software. And at the end of the episode... Jim graciously offered to give one of our listeners a free copy of the just-released Real Flight 8. And we said, uh, go to our Facebook page and like our podcast episode, and we will randomly pick one of our guest listeners and uh, to receive a copy from Knife Edge Software. And Terry, you want to do the honors? No, what I'm imagining right now is all the people listening in their car while they're in, uh, you know, going back and forth to work or pulling over <laughs> and everybody, it's like, shut up, everybody shut up. <laughs> yeah, this is captivating as the moon landing. 
So, and just to be clear, Fitz said we randomly pick. We used an online tool that looks at our post and does some sort of random generator. We didn't just look at a list and throw a dart at it. So the winner is, drumroll, drumroll, there we go. And the winner is Daniel Scott. Great Scott! Daniel? Not, not Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, I go way back. No. <laughs> Pick it. No. <laughs> congratulations, Daniel. <laughs> yes. Congratulations, awesome. Daniel. Thank you so much for listening and uh, being part of the RC Roundtable. And we'll give your information to Knife Edge Software, and they will send you a copy. And thanks to everyone else who participated in that drawing and who commented. And we've had a very busy week on Facebook, so thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate that. Uh, want to point out that we had a post, or I posted, that our iTunes rating uh, from this episode alone just jumped us uh, way past 50, which uh, if you'd heard another episode, that's something that I had been looking forward to for quite a while, and we hit 26, and that was exciting. Thanks, guys. And although we are kind of falling back down a little bit to our, our comfy spot, uh, we certainly appreciate you guys uh, subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a, a comment in the review section. And uh, if there's another method that you guys listen to the podcast using some other third-party software, let us know because we'll uh, look into uh, working harder to make sure our podcast is readily available. Yeah, where else can we be found now? I don't even know. Well, we have uh, something on SoundCloud, but there are a couple of other third-party software companies out there that uh, extract the, the file or take the RSS feed uh, directly from iTunes and then post it on their site. But again, I'm just looking to find out what people use to listen to our podcast. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly want to get our name out there and anything you guys can do to help us, we certainly appreciate it. And we did get a listener uh, send us a, an email request on a topic they'd like to discuss. So on the next episode, we'll talk about uh, float planes and seaplanes. And uh, stay tuned for that if that's something you're interested in doing. All right, then. Well, with that, uh, I guess we'll wrap up the show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, Lee and Terry, for another very interesting and insightful discussion on all things RC. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts where you also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.